Chapter Four of Margaret Fuller, Marquesa Osoli, by Julia Ward Howe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Art Studies, Removal to Groton, Meeting with Harriet Martineau, Death of Mister Fuller, Devotion to Her Family. Margaret's enthusiasm for art was in some measure the result of her study of Goethe, yet she had in herself a love of the beautiful and a sense of its office in life which would naturally have led her far in the direction in which this great master gave her so strong an impulsion in her multifarious reading she gave much time to the literature of art and in those days had read everything that related to michelangelo and raphael catomere de cancy condivi vasari benvenuto cellini and others the masters themselves she studied in the casts of the boston athenaeum in the brimmer collection of engravings and in the contents of certain portfolios which a much-esteemed friend placed at her service and which contained all the designs of michael and raphael the delight which margaret felt in these studies demanded the sympathy of her elect associates and mr emerson remembers certain months as having been colored with the genius of these italians in eighteen thirty nine mr alston's numerous works were collected for a public exhibition which drew to boston lovers of art from many distant places in the same year some sculptures of greenow and crawford were added to the attractions of the boston athenaeum in margaret's appreciation of these works if we may believe mr emerson a certain fanciful interpretation of her own sometimes took the place of a just estimate of artistic values yet he found her opinion worthy of attention as evincing her real love of beautiful things and her great desire to understand the high significance of art he makes some quotations from her notes on the athenian gallery of sculpture in eighteen forty here she finds marble busts of byron and napoleon the first with all its beauty appears to her sultry stern all craving all commanding and expressive of something which accounts for what she calls the grand failure of his scheme of existence the head of napoleon is she says not only stern but ruthless yet this ruthlessness excites no aversion the artist has caught its true character and given us here the attila the instrument of fate to serve a purpose not his own she groups the poet and warrior together as having the one in letters the other in arms represented more fully than any other the tendency of their time they more than any other gave it a chance for reaction near these she finds a head of the poet ennius and busts also of edward everett washington alston and daniel webster her comment upon this juxtaposition is interesting yet even near the ennius and napoleon our american men look worthy to be perpetuated in marble or bronze if it were only for their air of calm unpretending sagacity mr henry james jr writing of nathaniel hawthorne speaks of the massachusetts of forty or more years ago as poor in its aesthetic resources works of art indeed were then few in number and the decorative industry in its present extent was not dreamed of 
but in the intellectual form of appreciative criticism the boston of that day was richer than the city of our own time the first stage of culture is cultivation and the art lovers of that day had sowed the seed of careful study and were intent upon its growth and ripening if possession is nine points of the law as it is acknowledged to be the knowledge of values may be said to be nine points of possession and margaret and her friends with their knowledge of the import of art and with their trained and careful observation of its outward forms had a richer feast in the casts and engravings of that time than can be enjoyed to-day by the amateur who with a bric-a-brac taste and blasé feeling haunts the picture-shops of our large cities or treads the galleries in which the majestic ghosts of earnest times rebuke his flippant frivolity we have lingered over these records of margaret's brilliant youth because their prophecies aid us greatly in the interpretation of her later life the inspired maiden of these letters and journals is very unlike the miss fuller who in those very days was sometimes quoted as the very embodiment of all that is ungraceful and unfeminine how little were the beauties of her mind the graces of her character guessed at or sought for by those who saw in her unlikeness to the popular or fashionable type of the time matter only for derisive comment it may not be unimportant for us here to examine a little the rationale of margaret's position and inquire whether the trait which occasioned so much animadversion was not the concomitant of one of margaret's most valuable qualities this we should call a belief in her own moral and intellectual power which impelled her to examine and decide all questions for herself and which enabled her to accomplish many a brave work and sacrifice this sense of her own power was answered by the common confession of weakness which then was and still is a part of the received creed of women on the level of good society did not the prone and slavish attitude of these women appear to margaret as fatal to character as it really is i am only a woman was a remark often heard in that day as in this from women to whom that only was not to be permitted only the guardian of the beginning of life only the sharer in all its duties and inspirations culture and christianity recognized as much as this but the doctrine still remained an abstract one and equal rights were scarcely thought of as a corollary to equal duties margaret never saw though she foresaw the awakening and recognition of the new womanhood which is already changing the aspect of civilized society an eccentric in her own despite she had dared assume her full height and to demand her proper place her position was as exceptional as was her genius from the isolation of her superiority was it wonderful that she should consider it more absolute than it really was this exaggerated sense of power is perhaps nothing more than the intensification of consciousness which certain exigencies will awaken in those who meet them with a special work to do and a special gift to do it with it must be remembered that margaret's self-esteem did not really involve any disesteem of others she honored in all their best traits 
and her only ground of quarrel with humanity at large was its derogation from its own dignity its neglect of its own best interests such a sense of human value as she possessed was truly a christian gift and it was in virtue of this that she was able to impart such exhilaration and hopefulness to those who were content to learn of her but here in our chronicle the early morning hours are already over the inward conquest which was sealed by the sunbeam of that sallow november day becomes the prelude to an outward struggle with difficulties which task to the utmost the strength acquired by our neophyte through prayer and study in the spring of eighteen thirty three margaret found herself obliged to leave the academic shades of cambridge for the country retirement of groton her father wearied with the long practice of the law had removed his residence to the latter place intending to devote his later years to literary labor and the education of his younger children to margaret this change was unwelcome and the result showed it at a later day to have been unfortunate for the family she did not however take here the position of a malcontent but that of one who finding herself removed from congenial surroundings knows how to summon to her aid the hosts of noble minds with which her study has made her familiar her german books go with her and goethe schilling and jean paul solace her lonely hours she reads works on architecture and books of travel in italy while sympathy with her father's pursuits leads her to interest herself in american history concerning which he had collected much information with a view to historical composition we find her also engaged in tuition she has four pupils probably the younger children of the family and gives lessons in three languages five days in the week besides teaching geography and history she has much needlework to do and the ill health of her mother and grandmother brings additional cares the course of study which she has marked out for herself can only be pursued she says on three evenings in the week and at chance hours in the day it includes a careful perusal of alfieri's writings and an examination into the evidences of the christian religion to this she is impelled by distressing sceptical notions of her own and by the doubts awakened in her mind by the arguments of infidels and of deists some of whom are numbered among her friends the following letter addressed by margaret to a much admired friend will give us some idea of the playful mood which relieved her days of serious application groton eighteen thirty four to mrs almira b are you not ashamed o most friendshipless clergywoman not to have enlivened my long seclusion by one line does the author of the lecture delivered with much applause before the brooklyn lyceum despise and wish to cast off the author of essays contumeliously rejected by that respected publication the christian examiner that a little success should have such power to steel the female heart to base ingratitude o oh, ally ally wilt thou forget that it was i in happier hours thou hast full oft averted who first fanned the spark of thy ambition into flame think'st thou that thou owest naught to those long sweeps over the inexpressive realities of literature when thou wast obliged to trust my support 
thy own opinions as yet scarce budding from thy heels or shoulders dost thou forget but my emotions will not permit me to pursue the subject surely i must have jogged your conscience sufficiently i shall follow the instructions of the great goethe and having in some degree vented my feelings address you as if you were what you ought to be still remains enveloped in mystery the reason why neither you nor my reverend friend came to bid me good-bye before i left your city according to promise i suspected the waiter at the time of having intercepted your card but your long venomous silence has obliged me to acquit him i had treasured up sundry little anecdotes touching my journey homeward which if related with dramatic skill might excite a smile on your face o oh, laughter-loving blue-stocking i returned home under the protection of a mr fullerton fresh from london and paris who gave me an entirely new view of continental affairs he assured me that the german prince a was an ignorant pretender in the face of my assurances that i had read and greatly admired his writings and gave me a contemptuous description of waldo emerson dining in boots at timothy wiggins absolument à faire mourir all his sayings were exquisite and then a sui generis mother whom i met with on board the steamboat all my pretty pictures are blotted out by the rude hand of time verily this checking of speech is dangerous if all the matter i have been preserving for various persons is in my head packed away distributed among the various organs how immensely will my head be developed when i return to the world this is the first time in my life that i have known what it is to have nobody to speak to c'est à dire of my own peculiar little fancies i bear it with strange philosophy but i do wish to be written to i will tell you how i pass my time without society or exercise even till two o'clock sometimes later i pour ideas into the heads of the little fullers much runs out indeed i am often reminded of the chapter on home education in the new monthly but the few drops which remain mightily gladden the sight of my father then i go downstairs and ask for my letters from the post this is my only pleasure according to the ideas most people entertain of pleasure do you write me an excellent epistle by return of mail or i will make your headache by a minute account of the way in which the remaining hours are spent i have only lately read the female sovereigns of your beloved mrs jameson and like them better than any of her works her opinions are clearly expressed sufficiently discriminating and her manner unusually simple i was not dazzled by excess of artificial light nor cloyed by spiced and sweetened sentiments my love to your revered husband and four kisses to edward two on your account one for his beauty and one abstract kiss symbol of my love for all little children in general write of him of mr blank's sermons of your likes and dislikes of any new characters sublime or droll you may have unearthed and of all other things i should like affectionately your country friend poor and humble margaret in the summer of eighteen thirty five a great pleasure and refreshment came to margaret in the acquaintance of miss martineau whom she met while on a visit to her friend mrs farrar in cambridge 
in speaking of this first meeting margaret says i wished to give myself wholly up to receive an impression of her what shrewdness in detecting various shades of character yet what she said of hannah moore and miss edgeworth grated upon my feelings in a later conversation the barrier that separates acquaintance from friendship was passed and margaret felt beneath the sharpness of her companion's criticism the presence of a truly human heart the two ladies went to church together and the minister prayed for our friends margaret was moved by this to offer a special prayer for miss martineau which so impressed itself upon her mind that she was able to write it down we quote the part of it which most particularly refers to her new friend may her path be guarded and blessed may her noble mind be kept firmly poised in its native truth unsullied by prejudice or error and strong to resist whatever outwardly or inwardly shall war against its high vocation may each day bring to this generous seeker new riches of true philosophy and of divine love and amidst all trials give her to know and feel that thou the all-sufficing art with her leading her on through eternity to likeness of thyself the change of base which years after this time transformed miss martineau into an enthusiastic disbeliever would certainly not have seemed to margaret an answer to her prayer but as the doctrine that god reveals himself in many ways was not new to her and as her petition includes the eternities we may believe that she appreciated the sincerity of her friend's negations and anticipated for her as for herself a later vision of the celestial city whose brightness should rise victorious above the mists of speculative doubt a serious illness intervened at this time brought on one might think by the intense action of margaret's brain stimulated by her manifold and unremitting labors for nine days and nights she suffered from fever accompanied by agonizing pain in her head her beloved mother was at her bedside day and night her father usually so reserved in expressions of affection was moved by the near prospect of her death to say to her my dear i have been thinking of you in the night and i cannot remember that you have any faults you have defects of course as all mortals have but i do not know that you have a single fault these words were intended by him as a viaticum for her but they were really to be a legacy of love to his favorite child margaret herself anticipated death with calmness and in view of the struggles and disappointments of life with willingness but the threatened bolt was to fall upon a head dearer to her than her own in the early autumn of the same year her father after a two days illness fell a victim to cholera margaret's record of the grief which this affliction brought her is very deep and tender her father's image was ever present to her and seemed even to follow her to her room and to look in upon her there her most poignant sorrow was in the thought suggested to many by similar afflictions that she might have kept herself nearer to him in sympathy and in duty the altered circumstances of the family indeed soon aroused her to new activities mr fuller had left no will 
and had somewhat diminished his property by unproductive investments margaret now found new reason to wish that she belonged to the sterner sex since had she been eldest son instead of eldest daughter she might have become the administrator of her father's estate and the guardian of her sisters and brothers she regretted her ignorance of such details of business as are involved in the care of property and determined to acquaint herself with them reflecting that the same mind which has made other attainments can in time compass these in this hour of trial she seeks and finds relief and support in prayer may god enable me to see the way clear and not to let down the intellectual in raising the moral tone of my mind difficulties and duties became distinct the very night after my father's death and a solemn prayer was offered then that i might combine what is due to others with what is due to myself the spirit of that prayer i shall constantly endeavour to maintain this death besides the sorrow and perplexity which followed it brought to margaret a disappointment which seemed to her to bar the fulfilment of her highest hopes she had for two years been contemplating a visit to europe with a view to the better prosecution of her studies she had earned the right to this indulgence beforehand by assisting in the education of the younger children of the family an opportunity now offered itself of making this journey under the most auspicious circumstances her friends mr and mrs farrar were about to cross the ocean and had invited her to accompany them miss martineau was to be of the party and margaret now saw before her not only this beloved companionship but also the open door which would give her an easy access to literary society in england and to the atmosphere of old-world culture which she so passionately longed to breathe with this brilliant vision before her and with her whole literary future trembling as she thought in the scale margaret prayed only that she might make the right decision this soon became clear to her and she determined in spite of the entreaties of her family to remain with her careworn mother and not to risk the possibility of encroaching upon the fund necessary for the education of her brothers and sister of all the crownings of margaret's life shall we not most envy her that of this act of sacrifice so near to the feast of the gods she prefers the fast of duty and recognizes the claims of family affection as more imperative than the gratification of any personal taste or ambition margaret does not seem to have been supported in this trial by any sense of its heroism her decision was to her simply a following of the right in which she must be content as she says to forget herself and act for the sake of others we may all be glad to remember this example and to refer to it those who find themselves in a maze of doubt between what they owe to the cultivation of their own gifts what to the need and advantage of those to whom they stand in near relation had margaret at this time forsaken her darkened household the difference to its members would have been very great and she herself would have added to the number of those doubting or mistaken souls who have been carried far from the scene of their true and appointed service by some dream of distinction never to be fulfilled in the sequel she was not only justified but rewarded the sacrifice she had made secured the blessings of education to the younger members of her family 
her prayer that the lifting of her moral nature might not lower the tone of her intellect was answered as it was sure to be and she found near at hand a field of honour and usefulness which the brilliant capitals of europe would not have offered her margaret's remaining days in groton were passed in assiduous reading and her letters and journals make suggestive comments on goethe shelley sir james mackintosh herschel wordsworth and others her scheme of culture was what we should now call encyclopedic and embraced most if not all departments of human knowledge if she was at all mistaken in her scope it was in this that she did not sufficiently appreciate the inevitable limitations of brain power and of bodily strength her impatience of such considerations led her to an habitual overuse of her brilliant faculties which resulted in an impaired state of health in the autumn of eighteen thirty six margaret left groton not without acknowledgment of many precious lessons given there in faith fortitude self-command and unselfish love there too in solitude the mind acquired more power of concentration and discerned the beauty of strict method there too more than all the heart was awakened to sympathize with the ignorant to pity the vulgar to hope for the seemingly worthless and to commune with the divine spirit of creation. End of chapter 4